and the limbic system and everything. So yeah, talk to us a little bit more about this incredible topic. Yeah, so I started my career as a pharmacologist before I became a, a psychologist. And so I'd always got a fascination with what's going on on a kind of cellular level and what's happening in the body and what's the neuroscience. And, you know, after qualifying as a psychologist, I, le- I started to learn more and more about the limbic system. The limbic system, for most people, would understand it as the subconscious or the unconscious brain. Okay, so it's a more primitive part of our brain that developed a lot sooner than the neocortex, which is the new shell or the new sheath or the new covering of the brain, literally in Latin. And that's the kind of outer region of the brain. And what I discovered is that the limbic system is absolutely the powerhouse of our brain because um, it is the core of our emotional responses. We've got this little, little cluster of cells in the limbic system called the amygdala and in greek amygdala means almond shaped so it's literally the shape of an almond and this is a it's kind of our security guard you know it it it, it evolved to take care of us and create strong emotional fight or flight responses within us um Subsequent research and development of the brain has shown that the limbic system, uh, or particularly the amygdala, is also associated with positive emotional responses as well. But originally it evolved to to keep us alive. You know, saber-toothed tiger comes along, you either attack it and kill it, or you run away, uh, but you need a massive rush of adrenaline and cortisol, you need to go into fight or flight. Then we've got A couple of other regions of cells, the hippocampus, which is kind of our memory encoding uh, place. So every experience that you've had so far in your life is encoded and stored via neuronal pathways. And the encoding part of the brain is the hippocampus. The hippocampus is um, very closely linked to another region called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is responsible for chemical changes, hormonal changes, within the body um and actually all an emotion is it's a chemical change emotion is chemical energy so you so the the hypothalamus is very much responsible for releasing or triggering or influencing levels of things like serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin which are all feel-good hormones and will give us feelings of pleasure Dopamine is the hormone of addiction, by the way. So that's the stuff that's getting people addicted to likes on Facebook and alcohol and nicotine and shopping and all the other masses of addictions that we have in modern society. Uh, so it's it's quite a superficial. But serotonin and uh, oxytocin, they're the, the hormones of lasting fulfillment. You know, so when you're newly in love with someone, when you feel a, a close emotional bond with another human or even an animal, you know, your favorite pet and you're stroking your dog, it's oxytocin and serotonin that are being released in those moments. And it's a deeply fulfilling feeling rather than, God, I feel good because I got a new iPhone. Oh, three weeks later, somebody else got an even newer iPhone. I don't feel good anymore. That's dopamine. That's the dopamine So what happens is this is the first part of the brain that within milliseconds responds to everything that happens to us in the world. So our senses take in information. We see something, we hear something, we taste something, we smell something, we touch something. And within milliseconds, the subconscious brain, the hippocampus goes on a search. Do I like this or don't I? Is it good or is it bad? And that's based on your previous experiences so far. And if it likes something and it's good, 
it triggers the amygdala to produce a positive hormonal change via the hypothalamus and you start to get serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin released. You feel calm, you feel good, you feel excited. And that in turn jumps on a pathway of neurons that goes up to the more rational part of the brain in the prefrontal cortex and we start to have positive thoughts. So emotion comes before thought. And this is a massive misunderstanding in the whole way we educate and try to run our companies and businesses. We think humans are illogical. We are completely irrational, illogical creatures. And so we have to work with the big, powerful, subconscious limbic system first. I call it the elephant. We have to work with the elephant first. If we see something, we smell something, we taste something, we hear something that we've got a, a memory or a belief that we don't like, that will trigger a negative emotional response in the body. We'll start to feel sad, afraid, angry, or whatever emotion it will be. That will influence the way we think about that, and we start to have negative thoughts in association with that. And ultimately, then that leads to our behavior. So give an example. Let's imagine you're six years old and someone takes you to an Indian restaurant for the first time and they give you some food that's really, really, really spicy. And it burns your throat and you, you, you feel ill and it's just way too spicy for you as a six-year-old. Your subconscious, your limbic system will encode and remember that. And every memory and belief gets tagged to an emotional state. So the memory is, I remember when I ate Indian food and the emotional state is one of sickness or one of fear or one of avoidance. Yeah. So unless you have a different experience and you reprogram that belief from that day forward in your life, you'll avoid Indian food and you'll form a belief and you'll then create a thought from that and a behavior pattern. I don't like Indian food. I don't go to Indian restaurants. So 40 years later, you still haven't changed that or challenged it and you get invited to a company dinner at the new Indian restaurant in town, and immediately you're going to get a negative emotional response in the body. You're going to feel a little bit of tension in your stomach. Your muscles will tense up. And then you'll start to think, oh, Indian food, that's really bad for me. It makes me sick. I hate Indian food. And then you oh, I can't make it. I'm really sorry. I'm busy on Tuesday. And that will lead into your actions. But if you actually took the step of courage and you went and had that Indian meal, and you tried something really mild and not too many chilies, and you found it to be amazingly tasty, already you start to reprogram that old belief and memory, and you start to form a new pathway in the brain. It's called neuronal plasticity. We've got this amazing capacity as humans to always grow new beliefs and have new experiences and get them implanted in our brains. And so you start to form a new belief. Actually, Indian food is quite nice. And not all of it is bad and too spicy. And if maybe if I just avoid too many chilies, and actually I'd like to check out the new Indian restaurant that's also open, then maybe, you know, this even ends up becoming the favorite, your favorite kind of food. Who knows? But our beliefs will limit us and they will all be tagged to emotional states, which will influence the way we think. And ultimately, if we don't break that cycle, it will change our behavior. So every human experience is a flow of energy. And we have our emotions first, which is chemical energy, chemical change in the body. Then that triggers thoughts, which are electrical energy. And that leads, if we allow it to, to action, which is kinetic energy. And as we know from the basic laws of physics, um, energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be converted from one form to another. So we are constantly in this flow of thoughts, feelings, and actions, and the three different energies associated with that. And 
this is something really powerful to be aware of because most people never step outside of that triangle. So they believe that they are their thoughts, feelings, and actions. Well, I've never been good at tennis. Um, I always, I've always been a bit of a worrier. Um, well, I always get anxious when I have to give a presentation. So that's, that's someone who's speaking from inside the triangle and is trapped in it, limited by their previous experiences and thoughts, feelings, and actions. The amazing thing that we have as humans is the capacity to step outside of that triangle and go to a higher level of consciousness and actually observe and become aware of our thoughts, feelings, and actions in any one moment. So we can go to this mindful, non-judgmental place where you kind of go, well, that's curious. It's interesting when he mentioned the Indian food, the first reaction I had was I don't like Indian food. And then I started to think about excuses why I can't go. And I felt really uncomfortable and uh, that, you know, I had that nervous response in my stomach and tension. And, and actually what I did was I, I made an excuse up and said I couldn't make it. What could I learn from that and do differently next time? Now, if, if when you're in that place where you're being that observer of your own thoughts, feelings, and actions, then you can't be your thoughts, feelings, and actions because who the hell is doing the observing? So there is evidence enough that we can go to a higher level of consciousness and we can be neutral, non-judgmental reflectors on our life and we can learn and, and live such a richer life if we do that. And that doesn't mean we have to be happy all the time. It means even when we get the sadness or the anger and all the bad emotions that from a non-judgmental place, we're curious about that and we learn from it because all of our emotional states are telling us something very, very true and raw about ourselves and our previous experiences.